Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. My name is Mark Vibbert, and with me again, as always, is Matt Quest. Hello! Uh, joining us a little bit later in the show will be our guest, Alex Mandel, who is a composer for Pixar. This podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the past or present. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it's up for discussion with us. And we'll be back in a few seconds with our news for the week because there wasn't any new releases. So, see you in a few seconds. So, our first bit of news for the week is uh, Henry Selleck's stop motion film, The Shadow King. Looks like it's actually now going to happen. A since uh, Disney passed on it, uh, like it wasn't able to fortunate unfortunately uh, work with him on it as well. But now it looks like the Shadow King will be uh, produced by K Five International, which I, I don't think I've heard of them before. But I mean, if he's getting being able to get the the film finance, that's that's awesome. And looking forward to seeing it because I've like his past work, you know, like Coraline and James yeah. the Giant Peach, obviously, Nightmare Before Christmas. Said he put $50 million into it already, and it's already yeah. in production? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and they also released uh, a, a promotional picture from it already, too. It's online, so I'll, I'll try to find that and put that with our, our podcast. Uh, but the the premise of it, if, if we haven't talked about it before, is that The Shadow King is a deliciously magical tale about nine-year-old New York orphan Hap who hides his fantastically weird hands with long fingers from a cruel world. But when a living shadow girl teaches him to make amazing hand shadows that come to life, his hands become incredible weapons in a shadow war against a ravenous monster bent on killing Hap's brother Richard and ultimately destroying New York. So, wow. That sounds pretty friggin' epic. Sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about this, and I'm always glad to see more stop-motion films because they're they're great films. Like I can't think of one stop motion movie that I've seen that that I haven't liked. It's like recently. 2012 and like Paranorman winning those awards. Like this will be another good one for uh, the runnings for 2013. And when's this coming out? Uh, it doesn't look like it has a, a like a projected date yet. Other than uh, just that they're working on it, it doesn't really have a a date. But I, I'm hoping within. You know, it usually takes like three three years or so, so probably 2016 yeah. or somewhere around then. But uh, kind of going from good news for, about that stop-motion film, we're getting some bad news about Guillermo del Toro's uh, stop-motion Pinocchio film that he was doing is going to be postponed now because of the same reason Shadow King was initially getting uh, shelved was because of finance issues with getting it up and running. I don't know. It stinks that the studios aren't really getting behind the stop motion films, because I mean, actually, it's not really even that. It's more less that a lot of people don't go and see them when they're in theaters, so they don't. Yeah. I mean, Frank and Weenie, I think, made maybe twenty million at the box office, but I mean, they're still great films, and obviously, you can see that by all of the awards. The stop motion films that came out in 2012 have been nominated for, like Paranorman and The Pirates, and yeah, I mean, this was yeah. a big project that got uh, postponed, and you know, maybe 
you think it has something to do with like the other studios going bankrupt as well? Because you heard the news from uh, Rhythm and Hughes yeah. is filing for bankruptcy. That was huge. I mean, I got a lot of friends out there. Um, you know, like my friends John and Harry and Lauren, they all work out there. And, you know, hopefully they find, you know, work. Hopefully with ILM or some other studio that does the same type of work or on like an animation studio or whatnot. Uh, I was really looking forward to this Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio film too because I liked the voice cast they had lined up for it. Uh, I believe uh, Daniel Radcliffe, who everyone knows as, as Harry Potter, was was going to be the voice of Pinocchio for this. So I was interested in that. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. but uh, And I like this, the style that Guillermo del Toro brings to everything that he does. So I'm sure it would have had that same kind of look like you know that that like has had with their films and henry select usually does with his film but you know given that guillermo del toro spin on it yeah the art looks really cool for this too yeah so hopefully it still will get made sometime in the future it's just been postponed for the time being though uh, the next bit of news is that south park's season 17 has been shortened to 10 episodes and so it won't be split into the usual thing where they play the first half of the season in the spring and then the second half of the season in the fall. So what they're going to just do now is shorten seasons of 10 episodes each. So I'm not sure if that means now that season 17 will be playing in the spring if season 18 will be in the fall. And if that's how they'll do it, I think at least with like, you know, Family Guy and Futurama now, they've been splitting the series up into volumes when they put them on, on Blu-ray. Yeah. But South Park really hadn't done that yet. Uh, <laughs> but... I mean, South Park has been on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it, maybe it's just they're, uh, you know, giving themselves more time to make the episodes. Because, I mean, you saw the, the documentary where how many days did they do uh, yeah, a six, show in? Six days there. Six days? That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I you know, if they're going to only, if they're going to shorten the amount of episodes but increase the quality, that might be better for them. Uh, it says that, that Matt Stone... It says, why did we do 7 and 7 to begin with? We just sort of made that up, and we were switching to 10 for that same reason. It just sounded like a good number. And we <laughs> won't break up the year so we can more easily do other stuff. So it seems like they're just going to do 10 episodes a year now instead. So yeah, because, I mean, I mean these guys are really busy doing everything else, so like, you know, the Book of Mormon and other projects that they've started working on. But I can imagine they're working their butts off. Yeah. And it's cool because South Park has continued to stay a a really well done and well written show all the all the way up into I don't know what season is what is it like season season sixteen right now so yeah so I mean I, I I'm looking forward to to more episodes of that and my yeah, obviously my favorite episode was the blockbuster shining episode they did I thought that was awesome especially from the seven and a half years I worked for blockbuster I, a lot of the jokes they did in that episode really ring true so i thought that was great uh and then the la one of the last few th things we're gonna talk about and it'll go back to our site is the 40th 40th annual annie awards were this past weekend and a lot of uh, it seemed like record ralph sweeped the awards uh Woo! paranorman won a few awards as well so i was pretty excited about that and I really enjoyed watching it. It was, it was funny to watch it streaming because the show is kind of, I guess, like quirky the Annie Awards are. 
and uh, kind of unrehearsed. <laughs> it was, like all the technical issues that were going on during it were funny. I feel like if they if I applied for the technical <laughs> director position for that, I could do way better than who was ever doing it for that. Run it a lot smoother. <laughs> but I mean, that kind of that kind of made it fun to watch, and you know, kept you wanting to watch it. Whereas like some award shows, you might watch and get really bored, maybe two hours yeah. into it. But it was, it was cool to see everybody involved with that, and definitely check those out because you can see all the winners and the, the nominations. Uh, and then just touching on a few things because you can check these all out at our site. Uh, Finding Nemo two is uh, confirmed that Albert Brooks is going to be part of that sequel uh as well as you can check out all of the academy award nominated animated shorts uh films at our site as well and Leica has also announced a third feature film which is the box trolls which is based on uh here there be monsters so definitely check that out because we're definitely excited for more awesome Leica-ness yes uh i don't know how you feel about this one but the Illumination Entertainment, who j just recently did the Lorax last year, uh, is going to be doing a Dr. Seuss Grinch uh, CG animated film. I saw that. You sent me the link on that, and I, I saw that, and I, I turned to my girlfriend. I'm like, so they've done a 2D Grinch. They've done a live-action Grinch, and she's now they're doing a 3D Grinch. And she just looked at me, and she's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure exactly what the story will be like other than what like we we know like the that central story is or if they'll add more to that and whatnot. Uh, I'd actually would like to see Jim Carrey just come back do the voice. I know already did Horton for the Fox produced uh, yeah. Horton Hair is a Who movie. Uh, but I mean, I'd be more than fine with him coming back to do the voice of the Grinch and he certainly does awesome voice work when he does do animated films, so I'd be looking forward to that. Uh, upcoming Pixar film has finally uh, been confirmed. That's going to be called Inside Out. It's Pete Doctor's film. It's going to be coming out in 2015. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about these in the trailers, but uh, we also posted an extended preview of Monsters University that's been gone viral around the internet <laughs> uh, with over Ooh. like 150,000 views so far. Check it out. So that's pretty awesome. Thanks to everybody for watching that and all the sites for linking back to us. And we'll talk about this a little bit more in the trailers in a few minutes. Uh, Monsters University's second trailer has come out. And we just posted that on our site as well. So we'll be back we'll check that out. in a few seconds talking about trailers. For the week is Studio Ghibli's new film from Up on Puppy Hill. They not Poppy, I mean not Puppy Hill. Like it sounded like I just said from Up on Poppy Hill. Uh, and they just released the the U.S. version of the trailer and the animation. This looks looks beautiful. We posted it up on our site as well. Yeah, it looks uh, great. And I, I'm really excited for this. After starting to get into my my Miyazaki uh, shameless and watching all, all of the films of his and <laughs> and Studio Ghibli's film that I've missed in the years past and this looks like another great film i like the, the voice cast for this aubrey plaza from our parks and recreation and scott pilgrim and uh, safety not guaranteed is in this so or doing a voice in this so i'm excited about that uh, did you watch the trailer yet matt 
Yeah, I thought this was great. I mean, all the artwork, like the backgrounds look like they're a painting, which they are, you know, like the map paintings. And it, it's just beautiful. And the animation looks great. The story looks like it's going to be uh, really good. And even the music in this just has a lot of emotion in it. Like the trailer, like just takes you through like a roller coaster. It, it looks like it's going to be a really good movie. And I'm excited too about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's astounding and like how beautiful the the 2d animation is that studio ghibli does like all the the light on the, the bicycle in it looks looks awesome and the way yeah. like it reflects off certain things within the trailer and I just it looks like just like another beautiful film from them so i'm looking forward to that it comes out in limited release in march in the united states so look for that around you somewhere yeah uh the next thing is dc Universe's animated next animated film is called Superman Unbound. Uh, it's based off Jeff Johns' 2008 action comics story arc, uh, Brainiac, which and it finds Superman squaring off against the planet-destroying alien machine Brainiac, while balancing his uh, responsibilities to Lois Lane and cousin Kara. Uh, the voice cast includes White Collar's Matt Bomer, uh, who, if you guys watch Chuck, he was also Bryce Larkin on that show. Uh, Fringes, John Noble as Brainiac, and Castles, uh, Stana Kotick, as, and Molly Quinn as Lois and Kara, respectively. So, uh, I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, I just, we just talked recently about, you know, the Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2, and those were great, and there's a little bit of a preview of this on air, but this trailer gets you know, a lot more into the film, and I think it's going to be another great movie from dc what do you think matt i'm not excited about it (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but um uh, it's just you know for me it's just another superhero movie like i mean i really like you know like up on poppy hill we got an original story and it's just like all these comic book you know you guys can hate me out there for saying this but go right ahead like it it, you know conflict you know superhero he fixes it everyone's happy in the end there you go i just told you the whole plot yeah the one thing i will say for this is like i feel like dc should at least spread out the characters that they've been doing for their animated features because it seems like to do a batman movie then they'll do superman movie then they'll do a batman movie and then they'll do a batman and superman movie together i mean how many Superman movies, like live action or animated, have you seen in the last like five years? Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Five. The fact that you can say more than one that says something. I mean, I know those are the best uh, selling characters for them, but I mean, they could do more Green Lantern animated films. I'm, I'm sure Ralph would love that. Uh, they could do a Flash. Oh, sorry, Ralph is gonna hate me for ripping on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh they they could do uh more flash you know or martian manhunter uh, they, because i mean they have a, they have a ton of characters they could do they could do like a nightwing movie if they really wanted to but yeah. uh, i mean i'm i'm somewhat looking forward to it i just like because i like the voice cast for it so i'm looking forward to that but i i would like to see like a superman like behind the scenes like not like an action filled but maybe an action filled movie but like a behind the scenes on like a superheroes life type deal but not like the whole you know conflict oh we gotta do something about it you know that type of deal yeah uh going from that though the 
the second trailer for Monsters University was just released the other day, and it looks awesome. Uh, it shows the, the, the meeting of Sully and Mike at, at college. Uh, some, some people that really paid attention during Monsters, you think they might be a little bit upset about that because of you know Mike's whole line about you've been jealous of my good looks since the fourth grade. So there might be something within the movie that that uh, talks about that, or maybe they're just gonna you know cross over that all to all together and not really worry about it. But I mean, it looks really good. I like all the new characters that are added for this film. Charlie Day is doing the voice of one of the new characters, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> uh, uh, you got Dave Foley and and Kelsey Grammer, new voice, and then Helen Mirren. Uh, we'll be doing the voice of the Dean Hardscrabble in the film, so I'm looking forward to that too. Helen Mirren's pretty awesome. And we we also posted an extended preview of the film with, that's hosted by Dan Scallon, the director uh, that that will be on the Monsters University, I mean, not Monsters University, Monsters Inc. 3D Blu-ray that'll be coming out on the 19th, uh, put up on online at our YouTube, uh, at youtube.com slash animatedpodcast. Uh, and that looks great as well. It shows a bunch of concept art we haven't seen yet, and it shows like a full clip of Mike and Sully's uh, initiation into the Uzma Kappa uh, fraternity. So I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Matt, are you looking forward to Monsters University too? Oh, of course. Can't yeah. wait. What was it? I saw in that uh, extended preview, they show like a couple of the characters and that thing that the, like the purple. has... Yeah, the purple yeah, thing. That's, that's Charlie Day's character art. That's cool. The, yeah. I mean, the animation test they had on there with all like the fur that's like on him, that looked really cool. I can't wait to see that. And what's cool, I guess, the character that Dave Foley is doing, it's it's the the character with the two heads. He's yeah. doing he's doing the voice of one of the heads, and then Sean Hayes, who, who was on Will and Grace, is doing the voice of the other head. One of them is a dance major, <laughs> and then the other one of them is a, a scare major. So that should be interesting to see what comes up with that. So... I'm definitely looking forward to Monsters University, and yes. if you guys haven't yet, definitely go check out the viral site that they did for the college, because you can pick yourself up some Monsters University gear to wear around and wear to the movie. I, I love the the hoodie that I got for for my birthday for my mom. It's it's pretty cool. Every time I wear, it, I get a compliment. So <laughs> nice. Def, definitely check that site out. Uh, so yeah, those are our trailers for the week. Back in a few seconds with our recommendations. recommendations for the week uh, i'm going to start off and my video is kind of short it's not animated or anything at all but it's actually steven spielberg in a interview that he did in 1978 that i found on the the afi youtube channel and he's talking about how basically all directors should be animators first and how much he admires them because they have to think out every part of their scene be, before they do it with and create every part of it. And he's, he t gives like this kind of uh, reference, like are you talking about a chipmunk? He's like that, that one part of the chipmunk that doesn't exist yet. So they have to figure out like the wind that's going on and everything else. And it's just really cool to, to hear him speak about 
how much he he loves animators and yeah and, i i mean yeah. when i saw that clip for the first time i was like i totally agree with this and that's actually how i've you know um kind of followed in my career cuz when i got hired at fisher price i worked on you know the animated movies there and then from there i i did the transition over into their sizzle department where they do, you know, some live action and I've been directing and the, and if you go online right now and check out uh, the new laugh and learn website, there's a video up there that I directed this summer and yeah. I totally agree with them. It's like, you know, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, other people direct and, you know, they're like, well, I don't know how you want to act, you know, but you have to communicate this to your actors and he, Steven Spielberg's totally right. You know, the animators have in their mind how they want a scene to look. And I feel like, you know, I have that kind of vision um, to direct to people. And I know I totally agree with that. Definitely. I mean, watching this made me admire Steven Spielberg even more and want to have my own career start in animation even more. So, yeah, definitely. If, if you're an animator, definitely check that out. It'll make you, make you feel really good about yourself. You should, but you should already feel good about yourself. Um, but yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what was your recommendation for the week? My recommendation for the week, um, I just saw this today, actually. Uh, one of the guys at work sent this to me. and he, It's the new Elder Scrolls Online Alliances, The Alliances Cinematic. And holy crap, it, it is impressive. This is, you know, a CG piece um, done for the online, uh, uh, you know, massively multiplayer game. And it is incredible. Like, if someone didn't tell you that this was CG, you would think that they had to film this with actors and they made, you know, all these costumes because it is one of the most realistic-looking, you know, CG cinematics I've ever seen. I mean, all the detail is just incredible. The lighting... The, you know, attention to detail and the textures is insane. So definitely check this out. What did you think, Mark? Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Is like the the CG work was was fantastic. The and the atmosphere in that with the, like the smoke and the lighting and everything like that was done really well too. And I like the way it was edited and put together, where it starts you off with one character and then kind of pans with the camera and brings you to another one and then leaves that character and pans to another one and then by the end yeah. they, they all come together and I, I just really liked the way it was done and like that's often like the kind of way like with a lot of cinematic scenes that they do in video games now uh, I'd love to see like full films done with with that uh, animation like processing power and yeah it, the, and I'll tell you what like the you know, like the video game companies that do these type of cinematics come out with, I think, the best CG. Like, you know, you see, you know, major motion film, um, you know, companies, you know, producing CG films, you know, where they, you know, add in like a character, like, you know, let's say Lord of the Rings, like Gollum. Um, and, you know, that's amazing. But like these, you know, video cinematic people are just video game cinematic people are really cranking out some quality stuff. Definitely. And I mean, you could see how many of them could make the transition from going to that to doing, you know, full-fledged animated features. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. The music was great, too. And I've never actually played an Elder Scrolls video game, so I can't speak to, 
you know, the, the game itself, but at least that cinematic scene was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, epic. All right, so those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, we'll be back in a few seconds with our guest for the week, Alex Mandel, and we'll ask him his recommendation once we're done with his, our interview with him, too. So we'll be back in a few seconds with Alex. This love, it is a distant star Guiding us home wherever we are This love, it is a burning sun light on the things that we've done I tried to speak to you every day but each word we spoke the wind blew away Could these walls Today we have Alex Mandel on the show, a composer for Pixar. How we doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad we got to finally do this. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's how it is. We're, we're busy people. To kind of start off the interview, what made you want to pursue a career in composing music? Well, uh, let's see. I started doing music when I was really young. You know, when I was five years old, I started playing piano. And when I was about six, I started learning guitar and started playing in bands when I was 11. So this is just something from from the get-go, I've always been interested in music. And, um, yeah, I played in a band from, see, I guess it was seventh grade all the way through high school and then went to Oberlin College and studied music there. And um, Yeah, it's just something I've done my whole life. I got out of school and started a band called The Fingers and did that for eight years. And then, awesome. you know, sometime around, I guess I was about 30 years old and my wife was pregnant and... You know, I'd been doing music for a long time, and I just thought to myself, well, I've got to get a job that that um, I really care about. You know, mo most musicians, as you probably know, um, it's hard to make money at music. So a lot of musicians I know have some kind of day job. It could be waitering. could be, you know, working in a bookstore. But I was lucky enough to get a job here at Pixar. And um, up until that point, I hadn't really thought about um, writing music for film. You know, I'd written songs, I'd played in bands. But when I got to Pixar, pretty soon after that, you know, I'd go to a jam session in animation and people would say, wow, you know, you can really play. You should help me out with this project I'm working on. So that's how I started writing for film is people kind of started asking me to help them with their, um, their side projects. And, um, and I really enjoyed it. You know, the the nice thing about writing for film is um, it's kind of like an assignment. <laughs> you know, when you're writing a song, you just sit down with a blank page and you try to, you know, think of something interesting to write about. But when you're writing for film, you've got something to respond to. You know, you've got something to react to. And if you're lucky, you're working with, you know, really creative people who you can bounce ideas back and forth. So uh, that was the first time I really wrote music for um, for picture was The Incredible Sock Puppets. Uh, that little known gem. I don't know if you guys have um, I don't know if I've seen that. heard of that. It's a it's a it's a Easter egg on the Incredible D. Oh, yeah. oh I'm gonna have, to, have to look that up. Yeah. yeah it's uh, it's basically this guy Mark Kobayashi here at a TD at, at Pixar uh, did a sock puppet interpretation of the Incredibles. <laughs> At that time, I was um, taking notes. I was a coordinator, and I was taking notes 
And, um, and the creative director, Roger Gould, said, oh, why don't you help Mock find a keyboard, you know, like a Casio, just to add some, you know, something for this. And then I mm -hmm. mocked the keyboard, and he said, oh, you should do the music for this. <laughs> Pixar, and, you know, and also my first time writing music for, for picture was this little sock puppet thing. And Roger liked it. Uh, Roger Gould liked it. And then he said, oh, you should, why don't you do the music for Mr. Incredible and Pals? So that was... You know, that was an actual feature on the Incredibles DVD. Um, and that was, uh, that was a great experience. And Brad Bird heard that and really liked it. So I, right from the get-go, I was getting really good, positive reinforcement. So that kind of set me off on, you know, on this, this uh, path. And um, from then, I, you know, wrote uh, a score for Dan Scanlon's movie, Tracy. I did a number of other short films that people were doing on the side. And ultimately... Um, wound up scoring Your Friend the Rat for the Ratatouille DVD and ultimately uh, writing two songs for Brit. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so it, it's kind of like the uh, the saying is, uh, you know, like animation inspires music. Is that true? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, good, <laughs> you know, good art inspires good music. So if you're looking at something creative and cool, then... For me, I get inspired by that, you know. Um, in animation, in particular, when you talk to animators, they're very similar to musicians. They're very concerned with timing. They're very mm -hmm. concerned with mood and nuance and obsessive about details. So there's a lot of common ground there. Very cool. So is it easier to work with um, like animated films rather than like television and like commercials? Have you done stuff like that? Yeah, I've done a little of all of that. You know, I in in animated film, there's a there's a kind of continuum. And on one side is what we call Mickey Mousing, which is and it, that's not a, a put down, but just it basically means you're following the picture very closely, mirroring the picture. And uh -huh. you know that classic case would be in the Warner Brothers cartoons. Um, and if you all the way on the other side would just be almost like needle drop. Um, songs that are playing in the background that kind of happen to sync up with the picture. And so um, I've tried to do music somewhere in between, and that's, it just depends on the project. Um, Your Friend the Rat, I did some more Mickey Mousing, where it was um, I was reacting to the storyboards, and they wound up animating to my music. Oh, very cool. That, yeah, Jim Capobianco, the director, really wanted that. He didn't want music to be an afterthought. And so I would come up with these little riffs and then he would actually have the animators animate to the music um whereas on a you know a film like tracy or um you know or writing songs for brave i'm writing a piece of music you know that fits the picture more generally but it's not it's not linked so um closely to every little movement mm -hmm. you know like with the what kind of inspired the two songs that you wrote for brave but besides the film itself yeah well um i had released an album called The Echo Falls, and uh, that was in this kind of early 70s California acoustic singer-songwriter genre. And um, Mark Andrews, the director, had heard that CD. And um, uh, and so I think he did, he thought to himself, oh, this would be a good fit for Alex. You know, he, he can write songs that are kind of emotional and acoustic and have that kind of feeling. So when he the first thing he asked me to do was you know, he, he called to me across the atrium and said, Alex, I have an opportunity for you. I want you to write a 
a song for this scene where uh, Merida and her mom are fishing and, and, you know, let's talk about it. So I actually got uh, the producer, Catherine Serafian, sent me the scene and I watched it. And, you know, I'd been watching the film, so I knew what the story was. And then I, would, I just talked to the filmmakers. I had a great conversation with Steve Purcell, who was the head of story and then became the co-director. And um, we just talked about what was going on uh, with the characters at this at this particular moment. And uh, and then I went and wrote a song. I wrote a lot of verses. <laughs> the way Pixar works that, you know, um, the cut might change. There might be some verses that someone doesn't like. And so I, I, I kind of over, I think I wrote 25 verses and we wound up using five. Wow. Yeah, and then... For that was into the open air, um, but I got to actually see the scene in storyboard, so I knew the structure of the scene and and what I tried to do in that song was was kind of help um, start out kind of slowly and then build up the emotion and then end back where we started, kind of bring it down again, and that helped. I think that helped structure the scene. I mean, that's what Mark and Steve felt. Um, so that was that was a success, and so after that, Mark, I actually showed it to Mark. And Catherine in editorial, and, and Mark turned to me and he said, there's another song I want you to write. <laughs> it was a very good day. And then I wrote very quick. All this happened within about a week. Wow. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I had to do it pretty uh, quickly because there was a screening coming up. And, you know, fortunately, you know, like I said, I've been doing music a long time. And so when that opportunity came along, I, would, I, was, I felt pretty confident that I could turn something around. But that song, actually, I wrote a song called Let Me Ride. And um, what wound up happening is uh, Mark Andrews did a rewrite of the lyrics, and that became Touch the Sky. Oh, nice. Besides, like, if you're writing something, like, not for animation, is there something, like, that you go to for, like, inspiration, like other music or, you know, other animation? Yeah, I mean, I think... Again, it's like over the years, I've gone through stages of being really interested in a certain style. Like I got really into the blues. You know, uh -huh. I had to play like Robert Johnson or I got really interested in folk music or I got really interested in, you know, rock. And, and so I've been in classical music and jazz. And so there's been, you know, throughout the 30 years or so I've been playing music, I've gone through these phases. And so I have a kind of library in my mind, <laughs> all these different genres and all these different pieces of music I really like. And... And so when I watch, a, a, um, you know, if I'm watching a movie without music, then my mind will start, I'll just relate to what I'm seeing and I'll think, oh, this, this should be like a early 60s jazz thing, like Eric Dolphy, Oliver Nelson kind of thing. And, and that was like for your friend the rat or Esquivel or I'll just, it, it, you know, you look at the picture and it inspires, you think of something. It's, you know, it's like having an iTunes library in your brain. Yeah, and uh, oh, that's cool, you know. And then you uh, throw some ideas out there, and I mean, the other advantage I've had is I've been here for ten years, so I have a pretty good idea of what I think people like here, and um, that helps, you know, because I know people are always talking about music, so um, I can. I've been pretty good at anticipating what the directors are looking for in part of that for that reason. That's cool. So I bet, I bet you have one of those nifty uh, Buzz Lightyear statuettes now. After since you've been there for ten, it, right? That's the you get after ten years. You get the the Buzz. Very close. That I'm actually this is my tenth year. So I think okay. um, in November, 
November will mark my 10th year and then I'll have to wait till the next ceremony. I think it's like in the spring, right? Yeah, it's like the fall. So I may have to wait until next year to actually get my buzz. But yes, I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> well, I, congrats, yeah. I guess, I, and I guess in three years, they'll have to come up with something for like a 30th anniversary for people to. They're, they're uh, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, they're, they're around here. And it's interesting <laughs> to talk to them because they were here at the beginning. And, you know, the company's changed, changed a lot in many ways, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess kind of going off the last question we did, is there a spe specific composer kind of like, you know, like John Williams or Alan Silvestri that inspires you when, when you write your work? You know, it's, um, I mean, certainly among film composers, John Williams looms large, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he did Star Wars and he did Raiders of the Lost Ark and he did all the Spielberg films. I mean, he's a giant. Um, and, you know, I haven't, written music like John, I haven't tried to, I'm sure, I, I don't know if I could. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the other composer that um, influenced me a lot was Michael Giacchino because I met him kind of early on when he was doing the music for Incredibles and One Man Band. And I just, you know, Michael is such a bright, cool guy. Like, he's just very um, fun to talk to. And I could see that um, just the way, watching him interact with the directors was really instructive. You know, he just had a very positive attitude. He had tons of ideas. He um, he was really focused on the filmmaking. You know, I think that's that was the big lesson for me is, you know, when you're a composer for film, you're really a filmmaker. You're not just a musician. You know what I mean? You you need right. to speak the language of film. You're you're not talking to a, another composer. You're talking to a filmmaker. So I think what I saw with Michael is he's really a filmmaker, and he talks on that level. He doesn't get hung up on, well, do you think the clarinet should come in on bar 41? <laughs> you know, <laughs> really talking about what's, what's happening emotionally in this scene and what's the energy level that we want to get to. So I think he was a real, uh, just watching him at work, I got to be a note taker in these spotting sessions. Um, that was very instructive and, and he's continued to be helpful. Very cool. So is there a specific project um, that you'd like to work on in the future? You know, I just realized, I, I should also say Patrick Doyle, oh, yeah. the, the score of Brave. I mean, Patrick oh, wow. is an amazing composer, and so it was really fun to get to work alongside him and, and learn from what he was doing as well. You know, he's, he's also a very good dancer, as we learned, <laughs> um, I, which a lot of musicians are pretty good dancers. They have a good sense of time, but... No, Patrick, Patrick did a great job, and he, he also, it was inspiring to see how he would write music to lead into uh, the, my songs in Brave, you know, and, and coming in and out of that felt very seamless, which I think is, I really appreciated, because that's not easy to do when you're transitioning from score to song and back. So, anyway, he was, he's definitely an influence as well. Awesome. Very cool. So is, like, in any point in the process, like, how you work, is there, is there like, meetings that you, like, sit in on where people critique you, or how does that work? Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a little different on each project, but, you know, typically what happens with a film composer is, you know, you'll have conversations with the director, hopefully beforehand. I mean, I've been lucky. <laughs> I've gotten to talk to Jim and, and Mark and Steve Purcell and Dan, a lot of these guys. I've talked to them about the films before I've even seen them, but it, so I get an I start thinking of ideas. I start maybe playing around with themes and ideas, but the um, at some point there's what's called a spotting session, as you may know, 
um, where you, the, the composer and the director just sit down together and watch the movie. And they basically talk through the film. You know, on Brave, we just talked about the scenes, but we also talked about the movie. But you walk through and you start talking about what are the story points, what are the themes, um, and you walk out of there with a list of cues. Maybe it's 30, maybe it's 60 different pieces of music. But maybe you, you think to yourself, maybe there's three to five main themes. There might be, you know, a theme for a character. There might be a theme for a certain feeling. And then you typically will repeat those themes and alter them throughout the film. So the spotting session is really important. Then once, then you go and write, and then you have a review. And, and in the review, um, it could be more formal. It could be email. You know, so, I mean, if you, you know, um, Matt, you've worked in this context. You, you might you just rely on email to give notes back and forth. But Yeah. Yeah, we do, we do a lot of that, and I mean, we actually have them come sit down with the market. It's a little tense sometimes because we have the marketing in the room with the composer, and <laughs> sometimes the composer gets feedback that they don't like. <laughs> right. Well, this is, this is how I think about that, and, and again, I was lucky to be able to work at Pixar where there's a lot of really talented people here, and there's not a lot of ego. So yeah, you see good. really talented people you have to be open to feedback. You have to be open to criticism. And how you handle it really kind of defines if you can do the job. Because there's so many good musicians and there's so many good artists. But I think to, if you, you know, to work in a collaborative field, you have to be able to take notes and not kind of get huffy about it. I mean, yeah, I, agree. Well, I, I, don't, I don't like that. Well, it's, it's exactly what you asked for. <laughs> I mean, if you do that, it's going to be a very short career. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think that you have to um, anticipate what the director wants, but you also have to be able to take a ninety degree turn. If if sometimes the director might say something and you do it, and they say that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hasn't happened at Pixar because there's very skilled <laughs> directors here, but it does happen. So you just have to um, be prepared for that, and uh, you know, and and really listen behind the words. Some, sometimes. There's some directors who will use musical terminology, and but they're not musicians. So you have to kind of interpret, well, what are they really saying? What, what is the note really? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, like I have people in like a meeting with me and one person will like it. And then like a person who's not even involved with music who only does marketing will be like, well, make it a little, you know, bumpy. And you're like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> you know? And you have to convey that back to the composer. Exactly. And yeah, right. So you're 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 playing that. You're interpreting between marketing and the composer. It sounds like. Yeah, I I have to do a lot of that sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, it's I don't. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps it interesting. Exactly. And you have to. And sometimes you just have to try to clarify what what the note is. If if mm-hmm. you have a marketing guy says bumpy, does that mean uncomfortable? Does it mean fast? <laughs> does it mean exciting? You know, what does bumpy mean to you? So you kind of have to kind of really try to figure out what what the note really is before you run off in a direction at 100 miles an hour, you know? Yeah. You can spin your wheels. I mean, that's, I've been, because I have a day job at Pixar, when I do commercial work or if I do, um, you know, uh, website work, I have very limited time. Mm -hmm. So I've had to become very efficient. And uh, because I don't have days to spend doing something and then have someone say, that's not what I meant at all. I just don't have time to, <laughs> uh, to make that mistake. So I've gotten pretty good at, 
really making sure I understand the direction first. But there's always notes, and you have to be prepared to, to address the notes. You know, that's part of the gig. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess going from there, what what's the next project you'll be working on? Do you know Let's, yet? Or? So, um, you know, I do the music for this NPR show called Snap Judgment. And uh, we've done five live shows that have been on PBS and NPR. And so we are, uh, our last show was in Washington, D.C. about a year ago. And we're, we're gearing up to do a few more shows this summer. And I think one's in Ann Arbor, Michigan, maybe one in Los Angeles. And so that's, that's a fun project because I get to collaborate with storytellers. Typically, there's eight to ten storytellers. And I basically score their stories. Cool. And um, on my website, you can see some examples of that. Uh, so that's coming up. And then um, uh, my friend Jim Capobianco is working on a, um, an iPad game about Leonardo da Vinci. So these are, these are projects I'm working on outside of, uh, outside of Pixar. There's some things happening at Pixar, but I can't talk about them. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very cool. We have a l little bit of time left. We, we usually do a recommendation is there anything you've been watching or listening to or anything lately that you'd like to recommend to our listeners to check out? Let's see. Um, does it have to be animation or just film in general or TV? It could be any, anything you want, like a book or yeah, anything. Well, it's a movie I saw recently that I really enjoyed was Safety Not Guaranteed. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. I, th I enjoyed that a lot. I thought it was great. And it, it was great about it. It was, it was very character-driven. It didn't seem like there was a big budget. It just had a very strong story and strong characters, and uh, I really enjoyed that a lot. I'm, I've been watching Downton Abbey, which is I'm a little tired today because the last episode was two hours long, and I didn't realize it till about one hour and fifty minutes in, and I it was like really late, but I couldn't stop watching it. So, oh jeez. Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays that you know when someone recommended a movie in the past, it was like an hour and a half, but now when they say, oh, you got to watch The Wire. That's like a 70-hour investment. Oh, yeah. So you got to be careful with these TV shows because, you know, it can take up a lot of your time. Yeah. That Breaking Bad and Right. And Breaking everything. Bad, that's another one. So that's, that's a big time investment. You could write a lot of music during that 70 hours or so. We want to thank you a lot for, for coming on the show. You know, you have to get going. But, yeah, thanks. I'm glad we got to do this and hope you uh, got something you can use. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Right, later. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. So that's our, our show for the day. Don't forget, you can follow us both individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibber, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. And I am at Questpact, Q-U-E-S-T-P-A-C-T. Or you can follow the show at Animated Podcast. Uh, and then if you want to follow our, our guest from today, you can just search for him on Twitter. He's under at Alex Mandel Music. Uh, you can also feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or suggestions for episodes you'd like to see us do, definitely email us and let us know. Uh, you can visit our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com. We've been posting a lot of 
news stories on there now. It's bulking up the content on their site with our uh, myself and and Matt and our new writer uh, Matt Hardman have been posting some awesome stuff on there for you guys to check out. So definitely check that out. Uh, and you can also like us on Facebook just by searching for Animation Fascination. Uh, trying to hit 300 likes by the end of February. We're at 267 or so right now. So I think that's doable to get to 300 by the end of the month. Absolutely. And then if you if you guys enjoy the podcast, uh, definitely go to iTunes and give us a review. The more reviews we get on there, it'll bump us up in... And when people search for us on iTunes and more people can enjoy the show if you guys enjoy it too. Uh, so feel free to do that. Uh, but for myself, I'm Mark Bibbert. Matt Quest. Yeah. <laughs> and you're Matt Quest. <laughs> I am Matt Quest. And our guest, Alex Mandel. Uh, thank you for listening to our show today and make sure to tune in again next time. Thanks, guys. Later. How to how I met your dragon? How to train your dragon? Uh, in this pocket, this yeah, this pocket. <laughs> in this pocket, I got a podcast. <laughs> in this pocket, I don't. From the past to present, whether it's traditionally hand drawn and computer generated. Oh, I can't freaking talk. <laughs> or hold There's my pen. Another one for the blooper reel. Okay. The countdown. Yeah. That sounds very ominous. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not the final countdown. Yeah, exactly. Or you can follow the show at Ant- Animated. <laughs> Done. Woo!